Oh no, he left! <laughs> we had this whole plan. Oh, it was gonna be so good. I can't believe that. Hello, everyone. Do it over. Do it over. You okay, hang on. Rewind. 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 <laughs> Pretend the broadcast <laughs> just started. Okay. 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 Thursday, September 22nd, 2016, and you're listening to episode 58 of Roll Up and Die. Who talks first? I talk first? You talk first? Slowly fade out, slowly fade out. And then and then I'll start talking about how my alright, my audacity's working. Okay, mine mine is too. Uh, for the people at home listening to this live episode of Roll Up and Die, uh, that is actually how we record the music yeah. that leads up into the episode every single week. But we usually have the recording studio. That's us, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah, this is us live. We have a little bit of lag here, but you got to trust us. Uh, Matt has an excellent distortion filter uh, on his vocal cords. Yeah, it's actually in my throat. <clears throat> it's, a, it's like a Shadowrun type uh, biomechanical augmentation that I have in my throat. <laughs> got it a hot topic yeah absolutely they also have them at spencer's gifts <laughs> uh, spencer's gifts is always right next to hot topic i'm sorry i heard two of you matt and then i realized that you and the youtube was talking oh you in the youtube i am so close to like you can like see my whole face look how close <laughs> i am to the screen i mean <laughs> ideally you see you see the whole face during a, a video like I, this i think I doubt that's the case. <laughs> Ideally, <laughs> yeah, I, podcast face as hell. Yeah. Uh, but, oh yeah. So, uh, how how are you guys doing on this live episode of Roll Up and Die? I'm feeling pretty live. I'm feeling I'm feeling alive, man. I'm feeling uh, so live right now. So for the very first time. Yeah. Exactly. You think you could fly? <laughs> I think I can fly exactly. Did you not mean to sing? The I didn't. The I didn't. You said them perfectly. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> okay, good, good. Welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us for this live episode of the Roll Up and Die podcast. This is actually episode fifty-eight. Uh, I am. Uh, it looks like we're all in our normal places, but, but I am in a different place than you might usually see me. I'm not sure I've ever broadcasted from in here, but uh, today we are talking about ending campaigns. Um, ha finding a good way to to take something and, and kind of wrap it up into a nice tiny little bow at the end of it. But before we uh, get into that topic, I think we should consult the the comments to see what sort of banter topic we should indulge ourselves in. Uh, yeah, excellent. That's a good idea. Give it to us. Anything yes. you want. Yeah, people in the chat, us. give us a banter topic. We'll talk about <clears throat> literally anything. almost anything. Yeah. Literally, almost anything. <laughs> that was a way to cover your. There's, way a, to cover there's a little hedge there, but that's right. Yeah, we can we can still work with that. While yeah, while yeah. we're Volume. waiting on the banter topic, I'm going to show off a recent <laughs> uh, acquired item of mine. This Beholder dice case from Dogmite. I'm going to be doing a review so on this cool. very soon, but it's uh, oh, it's awesome. Holds holds my dice. You recognize that set of dice it's there, Barker? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I'm not watching right now, but I know what dice you're holding up. Yeah. I actually, you know what? I found my, my set. I found my set, man. I knew you were missing them for a little bit. So, so we have twin sets. Oh, my wife just snuck. I don't know if you saw her. She's so sneaky. She snuck in here and dropped me off a steak and enchiladas. Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. What the hell? <clears throat> 
So I'm going to go ahead and uh, leave really quick. I'm going to mute yeah, and turn my camera off, and you guys will continue the podcast. Awesome. <laughs> so, so, so what was that? Uh, oh, uh, the, uh, now is that uh, box? Is it carved or is it? Uh, yeah, it's carved. It's like it's a little hard to see on the on the screen. So. Yeah, so it's um, it's all wood, and I have the. Yeah. I think the wood is. It's called Purple Heart. I think oh, okay. is what it's called. So it has oh. almost like a, it's hard to see, but it has kind of like a crimson sort of violet color right, to it a little right. bit. Oh, and geez. then it looks like it has like maple on the inside yep. here. So sweet. Yeah. That's so they, really they sell pretty. these and you like, you customize it with, uh, you choose what each side is going to be. So you could have it be oh, okay. two of the same thing, two different <clears> things. <throat> and they have a bunch of different designs and. Juice was just talking about how the magnets are really strong in those cases, and, and Matt was giving us a, a showcase. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it is. Are, this is going to be a little loud, but I'm going to do it here. Here we go. Okay. Huh. <laughs> Your hand is bruised. Yeah. No, I dropped it. Did you see that? It's landed yep. a little bit slanted and then went, Tunk, just closed up like a mummy's <laughs> sarcophagus. So anyway, oh, yeah. I'm excited okay. about that. So I'm going to be doing a video about that. And uh, nice. they were nice enough to, to send that to me and uh, hook me up with a pretty cool little dice case. So, yeah. Yeah, you, you're, you're uh, that uh, review video you did for um, the uh, Middle Earth. Mm hmm. Uh, fifth edition yeah uh, yeah that, that was that was awesome that, that convinced me to pick it up so oh awesome that's great man so, yeah i've really yeah. really been enjoying that supplement and i uh i want to run it like now like today i just want to run a lord well, of the rings game i don't i don't know if i'm i don't know if, I'm, uh, if i have people to run in the world but there's so much in there like like you were saying that that could be good for any world or campaign oh yeah you know there's yeah. so much to take from it um and and uh like you said it, it wasn't just uh it doesn't feel like just they're they're taking the the OGL and just you know making new stuff for it. It's it's really a fully fleshed out new way to look at it. Yeah, you know. So that, cool. that I thought that was neat. Yeah, exactly. It has it, it's very good for low magic type settings mm -hmm. if you're wanting because <clears throat> like you know there's non magical healing and stuff like yeah. that. So it's just really cool. Um, so here's a good banter topic from Earl oh. uh, Earl T Gray, which is Nathan Like. Uh, banter topic. It's a Saturday morning, and you've got a bowl full of Captain Crunch. Which which cartoon are you watching? I'm gonna Ooh. say, uh, for me, it would probably be Adventure Time. I love Adventure yeah. Time, um, <laughs> mostly because it's uh, a cartoon that's inspired by the creator's D and D adventures that he used to mm -hmm. run when he was a kid. So it has this kind of childlike charm to it but it still has elements of D D where there's like liches and things like that in it and uh it's just really funny yeah no for sure i uh i um <clears throat> if i'm eating cat and crunch and it's the morning and i'm watching a cartoon it's because i had a uh an insomnia driven night so i didn't sleep <laughs> and so i'm watching rick and morty which is what i watch when i don't sleep <laughs> rick and morty is great yeah that's a, that whole that show is like a fever dream. So some for some reason it works when you're like on the, the verge on the cusp of passing out. <laughs> you're like, man, this show is like talking to me, it's talking to my spirit. Uh, see, when I when I was growing up, the only Saturday morning cartoons we had, we only had like four channels. We had, uh, you know, and, and one of those was UHF. The other two, the other three were VHF. And uh, so we, we were kind of limited on on what we could get. But um, you know, so it was usually like Warner Brothers. Was the uh, you know Bugs Bunny, you know, Classic, Roadrunner, yeah, yeah. Um, but if if I if I had what I have today and I was doing that, uh, it'd probably be, uh, you know, like Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh yeah, still, still one of my favorites. I, I can watch that thing a million times and it's it, and I still love it. So absolutely, that's cool. I never, I, never get tired of that. I like how the answer to that question changes depending on like every ten years. I want to revisit that. Like, what was it ten years ago? Yeah, I know. That was what I was just thinking is like, yeah. I, I answered as if it was me eating <clears throat> Captain Crunch on a Saturday morning today, like now. Yeah. But if it was when I was a kid, then it would have been something like Transformers or Beast Wars mm -hmm. or Gargoyles or something like that. See, yeah. you're, so, you're so kick ass, Matt. You're so kick ass. Mm -hmm. Mine would be Blue's Clues. <laughs> <laughs> Game hey, over. man. Blue's, Cru Blue's Clues is metal as hell, man. They're like looking <laughs> for clues and stuff. I what love that. One of my one of my favorite cartoons that, uh, um, well, I, 
you can't really call it a cartoon nowadays, but it was anime. But uh, it was uh, Robotech. Oh, I and, love Robotech. And 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 now now keep in mind that as a, as a kid, I grew up watching a lot of other cartoons. And then I'm, I start watching this, and and the once the one I remember the vividly the one part that really got to me was there was a scene where the, where they, they they end up activating this the shield around the ship. You know, they had no idea how the ship worked. You know, this, uh, for people who don't know, they humans discover this alien ship and they activate it, and they they really don't know a lot of what it does. So they they activate the shield around it when when enemy ships start attacking. And what happens is the shield keeps building up this energy, and finally it's going to explode. <laughs> it's going to you know release all this energy outward. And they had like destroying part of a continent, and uh, so 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 it goes out, and and some of the pilots are still out there, you know, characters you've met, yeah, and their planes just get vaporized. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, they just die in, yeah. in a cartoon. People, people are supposed to die in cartoons. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, know? it was just like wow. That uh, for me at, at that age, it was just like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> I Robotech. I yeah. love, love, love Robotech. I actually have like the entire series on DVD kicking around here somewhere. Uh, yeah. There was actually a Robotech video game that came out. Uh, oh, yeah. This was like uh, 10 or 12 years ago. It was on the Nintendo GameCube. And it was so fun because you could do all three transformation modes. So you could do the jet oh, yeah, yeah. or the half jet where you got the arms coming right, out of right, the jet. Right. And you could do full robot. And you could like... Uh, seamlessly transform between Sen the three of them. Sentinel. That's, yeah, that's, that's, Sentinel. That was what it was called, yeah. Yeah, and it was just so fun because you, like, if you were a jet, you would fly around, and then you could yep. just become a robot, and you could, like, go in all three dimensions, and oh, oh it was yeah. so fun. So fun. I love that game. Yeah. They've they, they talked for ages about a live-action version of that, and uh, yeah. I don't know if that'll really happen. Although I did see the, the, uh, the live-action version of uh, Star Blazers. Uh, oh yeah, how was that? Battle, Battle, Battleship Yamato was really good because it was it, it was it was in Japanese, mm -hmm. so it's it's with subtitles and <clears throat> I mean they nailed the characters. You know they, they they did a really good job of 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 updating it, but they but they compressed like the entire you know first season into a single movie, which was it, it was a little truncated, but it, yeah. it, it was it, just the way they handled the ship, the way they handled the characters is awesome. I. I, love I it. Uh... I recently watched, they came out with a, uh, are you familiar with Space Pirate Harlock? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They came out with a Harlock CGI movie, and yeah, it was awesome. Was like, it that got kind of it got kind of mixed reviews, but I watched it the other day, and I was like, this is badass. Like, the scene, like, all the, the armor that Harlock's guys are wearing is just so <laughs> yeah. cool. Oh, man, yeah. I was so into it. Yeah, and, and, and when you see stuff like that, like, whether it's, you know, uh, Battleship Yamato, which was the... The, the the movie one and 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 even and even Harlock it really makes you want to like game in that world oh know? yeah totally <laughs> and uh, I love the uh, the scene in yeah. Harlock when they launch a bunch of I think it, like missiles at Harlock's ship and there's like this just cloud of smoke and then the skull on the front of the <laughs> ship comes through the smoke and it has like glowing <laughs> eyes awesome. I was like oh my yeah. god that's so cool <laughs> and, yeah I mean it, it, it was ripped right out of the anime they, they did a great job of of you know realizing that to yeah, and yeah. Harlock had his bird and everything. I was just, yeah. oh, man, I was over the moon about it. Yep, yep. it was awesome. Barker's I've over there like... Of, I've lost track of how many drinks people have to take. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are currently in a stupor. We're not going to get any more questions now. I just, yeah. I love I love classic anime like that. There was, a, there was yeah. a channel when I was a kid. I cannot remember for the life of me what the channel was, but late at night they would do like classic anime like <laughs> Harlock, Robotech. They had um, Irresponsible Captain Tyler, which was amazing. <laughs> and uh, they played it like late at night, like midnight, one in the morning on the weekend. And I would stay up super late and watch all this awesome, just oh, like that, classic that, anime. That should be my new title. The irresponsible Captain Gothnog. There you go, irresponsible <laughs> Captain Gothnog. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I I flopped on the uh, on the segue last time, and it was so bad that it became a topic in the podcast that it was did. so ingrained into the discussion that I couldn't edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> would anyone else like a go? Let's see here. Well, I was going to bring up how how these well kind of transition from these animes we're talking about, and especially like Star Blazers and how how it ended, because a lot of people don't realize that the, you know, or people who haven't seen it, I should say, um, the whole point of it was Earth was Earth had been you know randomly attacked by the the Gamelons, 
and uh, they, they had pretty much almost wiped it out entirely. And they received this alien message, and they had to go, uh, you know, across the universe to get this machine that would supposedly fix the Earth. And uh, and then they had to, um, you know, eventually make it back. And and so, um, you know, the, the whole point, the whole point was this, this long arc, and and how do you, uh, uh, what we're talking about today is basically how you wrap up that kind of long campaign. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yep. So. Yeah, that, that's what I would have done if I, if I had thought of doing a, a segue. Well, guess what, Alex? You just did. What? Say, We're you... live. You just segued. Did you know? <laughs> I was going to say, Matt, what would you have done if you could have done a segue? And then I'm like, man, that's that. when you're asking people that, that you're all at a banter topic. Ideas. Yeah. No, I, I don't have a segue ready to go either. Alex, Alex's was good. We should go with that one. Yeah, I think so, too. It'll Welcome, work. everybody, to Roll Up and Die <clears throat> Your uh, just RPG podcast. My name just. is Barker. My name is Matt from Fistful of Dice, the channel you're on right now. That's right. Yep. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnuck. And yes, today we are talking about ending that campaign. And this is an important discussion for me, not only because I am... I, I've, I, I feel like you get into your campaign and you reach a certain point and all of a sudden the campaign starts writing itself. And, and you kind of see where it's going. And this this discussion is, I think, critical because in order to end the campaign, you have to, in a sense, take over a little more control over the campaign mm -hmm. uh, because you have to kind of put it in that position where it's like, okay, it's over. Uh, and I guess the players help, absolutely, but you kind of have to balance that out. You know, ask yourself, uh, you know, what's what's the right balance between, you know, controlling the campaign and continuing to let it go because you don't want to take over so much where the players don't have any choice in the in the matter. Um, but I'm in the process of beginning to close out the Winds of Sir Celine campaign that you and Tim and Cassie and James are in. And it, it might take a while, but it's 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 been on my mind lately. So what are your experiences with ending a campaign? And and I'm gonna ask you a, a more specific question, and you might not have an answer to this one, but the question is more specifically, uh, have you ever seen a campaign end badly? And what could you do to prevent that? I've absolutely seen a campaign end badly. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> my actually, my it was me and my wife were both in this campaign. And um, it was this campaign that started out really, really strong. It was a sort of a Viking-themed campaign. There was uh, some sort of North, Norse mythology going on. And um, one of the characters in the party was sort of this um, sort of a matriarchal sort of leader within this uh, Viking sort of themed tribe. And we were her advisors. And so we were essentially leading this tribe. And so we were making decisions about where is the tribe going to go? The winter's setting in. We were getting attacked by this strange enemy that we had never seen before. Um, and it was just this really, really awesome campaign where we felt like we had a lot of control and a lot of stake. And at the end, I could tell that the GM had an idea of where the campaign was going to end. And she was very dead set on it ending exactly that way. And so we were trying to do different things. We were coming up with plans to deal with this problem that was coming up. Our town was basically being invaded. And she wanted us to leave the town. And we were not leaving the town. It was one of these things where it was like she was describing to us how the town is getting overrun. It's getting taken over. Your people are being killed. And we were refusing to leave. We were like, no, we're going to stay. We're going to fight. We're going to try and hole up here in the in the throne room and basically fight it out and see how long we can last and in the most convoluted way she teleported us away from from the the throne room it was like we we were trying to i can't even remember what it was but it was like we were trapped in this certain area and she just teleported us out of there and i don't even i don't even remember if there was a good reason or a, or a or an exp explanation for how we got teleported away, but it was the most railroady thing I've ever seen done in a campaign, and that was near the end of it. That was like the uh, the last or the penultimate session, and it left such a sour taste in my mouth from an otherwise really really awesome campaign. Yeah, I I, I have a hard time ending campaigns for that reason. I, I I really don't like to railroad. 
it's 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 something that just really bugs the hell out of me to to be railroaded but also you know to to push you know the players in a certain way i was really lucky in my last campaign that <clears throat> that the stars kind of aligned and and it and it actually did end up um ending fairly well where they they stayed not only you know rescued their their primary city that they operated out of but they provided um this this key this key thing to hopefully bring an end to this war that had been raging for for a long time so it was it was it was a good ending and uh even better than that we you know <clears throat> over the course of the campaign uh i probably mentioned this before on the podcast a million times but um we'd had some players that had to drop out for various reasons and we had some new players come in and that kind of thing but i was able to get uh, a lot of the old players to come back for that final episode so that you know we had these all these old characters coming in too you know who who had been there and and so th that was kind of neat that that they that they all you know pitched in and came back and, and even even you know doing little cameos just to just to be there for the final you know the final episode which is you know i thought it was awesome so i got i got very lucky with that one that is really cool yeah it's always rough when you try running a campaign <laughs> and then or you're playing in a game and all of a sudden some words appear in the sky and they say <laughs> we've reached the end of the map turn back now or right. take damage yeah. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. you know and that's you know how do you guys decide then how do you decide okay how much control do i take <clears throat> to, how, do, when at what point during the campaign do you find yourself guiding the campaign and at what points do you mm. find yourself kind of letting go <sighs> And for the people at home, this is where I usually edit out the silence and I make it sound like we are just like on it with the answers. That's man. right. Boom, boom, boom. I think, I think for me, like the beginnings and ends of campaigns are where I sort of have a heavier hand because mm -hmm. there's like I have to I have to give the players a little bit of direction. <clears throat> you know, you can't open a campaign with. What do you guys want to do? Like, you know, you, you got to give them some <laughs> different adventure hooks and sort of guide them in a certain direction. And then the campaign can open up and it can be a lot more freeform, sandboxy. The players are, are contributing and collaborating a lot. And then once you start to feel the campaign coming to a logical conclusion, you can steer it into port. You know, if it, you know, you can kind of be like, okay, it's time to run this thing to where it needs to go. But that ending will be... Uh, it'll be dictated by what the players have done. You know, I might have a vague idea of where the campaign might end. I might have some images or some scenes in my mind. Like with the provokers, I had this very, very vivid image of the, uh, the corruptor with wings and I wanted him and Griff his Griffin. Ruptor. Yeah. The Griff Ruptor. I wanted the corruptor and his Griffin to fuse <clears throat> into one creature, which I thought would be really cool. But other than that, I had no idea how it was going to end. And so, mm. you know, that was dictated by, 17 sessions of adventuring and role play and stuff like that 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 helped me decide where it was going to go and then once you get into two three sessions before you decide to close it out you start to get an idea of where this is going to end because yeah. the arcs are starting to close and the end point is starting to become clear it's starting to come into focus yeah i think it's easier too if you have a bad guy or a, a bad whatever who that is you know that has a plan in play so it, it's coming to a head one way or another either either they will foil this plan or they will it'll be a tragedy and they'll all die you know or something it'll end and and but it'll end based on this you know whatever whatever you know this big bad guy or whatever has in play um in the case of in the case in the case of one campaign it was kind of neat because it started yeah. um they had they had found this uh, this baby in a jar in a it was the first the first uh, the first uh, uh, game they had gone to a, a carnival and they found this 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 baby in a jar. Now in it, it, I had uh, in it it was supposed to be a, a homunculus, you know, and so uh, but one of them one of the players just just took a, a shine to it and stole it. And, and he kept and he would carry it around with him. So I started to play on that with this thing started to begin to kind of whisper to him and and. Uh, he lit you know he became a warlock and this was sort of his you know connection to that and and then uh in the end i decided that it was going to take him over <laughs> because it, it it just sort of grew out of this this kind of throwaway trinket in a way 
and it, but it kind of led to a really cool ending to the campaign. It's funny how often those like throwaway things become such a big deal because the players fixate on things that you're never really anticipating that they're going to fixate on, you know, yeah. items that you give them or, um, <clears throat> you know, plot hooks or NPCs that you throw out there just as sort of like, oh, hey, this would be cool. And yeah. that's sort of what, like you're saying, Alex, that's sort of what dictates the direction of the campaign is whatever the players are interested in. And yeah. they'll show their interest by fixating on those things. Well, like what you said, Matt, you know, the, the <laughs> characters might fixate on things that you're not, on the things that don't matter. But, you know, what I'll do is I'll sometimes do a shotgun method where at the beginning of the campaign, I just throw like three or four plot hooks up there and let <laughs> the characters decide. And, right. and, and, Oftentimes, the stuff that you throw out there that they don't grab onto, you can always come back around and make that the important thing that they weren't paying attention yeah. to, you know, at, at the beginning. So uh, I, I'm a big fan of throwing out a ton of information, <laughs> seeing what the players grab onto and making that the story. Um, yeah. By session three, here, here's my piece of advice. It would be to uh, it would be to pick the place of the showdown, the location. Say, OK, whatever, like whatever happens. The final showdown is going to happen at Falhast. No matter what, the final showdown showdown is going to happen in Sonogeist. You know what? No matter mm -hmm. what, and then just have that in your mind that okay, the entire campaign is leading up to this one location, and then after each campaigns, after each session, you ask yourself, okay, now is that still the location of the final showdown? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> and just and slowly evolve what the final showdown looks like based on how the characters get there. You know, you can plan for an ending and run a completely sandbox game and still end where you thought it was and i think that's perfectly fine yeah. you know it also depends on how long you plan on your campaign being you know if you if you're just planning a short campaign of say you know 10 to 20 sessions then that that's going to be very different than um just an open-ended campaign where you, it's just you, you and your home group would you just start playing with first level characters whatever and you just start running it you know, you don't know where the accessory is going to end up. You might not have this big overarching, you know, uh, plot arc or whatever. And so it, that can be a little harder to 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 uh, to come up with that ending, perhaps. I mean, maybe at the end, they, they end up retiring, <laughs> you know, it could be, you know, something like that. And, the, you know, if it's if it's not going to be a big, um, you know, a big final battle, which, you know, that's a fun way to end a campaign, but they don't necessarily all have to end with this, you know, this great conflict necessarily. Yeah, for sure. And some people in the chat are talking about a campaign length, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. What would you define as a a, a, a a good length of a campaign in your mind? And um, uh, as in how many sessions, not not years or anything, but in number of sessions do you want in your campaign? My, my answer is three. I, I Trilogies, I feel like, are the best campaigns that's the best way to tell a story without getting bored and being able to move on to the next one i really like three sessions I think wow it... I, I, I was gonna say 60 to 80 but yeah <laughs> that's fine yeah i uh, I, I, I like long, i like long campaigns me too i i appreciate one shots and short shorter campaigns um and but i think you know it always depends on the on the players it depends on the game it depends on the storyline you know um like I ran a Call of Cthulhu campaign that was, it was like um, between every session, like it was like months or years taking place. You know, the sessions yeah. were like, these are important moments in these characters' lives, even though they're doing stuff all the time. And that campaign was like around 10 sessions because by the time we got to the end, it's like, oh, hey, it's time for these characters to retire. Like they're getting to the end of their, you know, their investigating life. Mm -hmm. So... But with something like the Provokers, that was a little bit longer, you know, almost 20 sessions. But I've, you know, I had a Pathfinder campaign that was close to 30 or 40 sessions with my home group. And, like, so many things happened in that campaign that I remember for the last session, I had a, I had a chart, a piece of paper that was all <laughs> the loose ends that I still had and lines drawn between everything, basically just trying to wrap everything up. I felt like the writers of Lost, just like, uh, uh. You gotta explain the nine-tailed <laughs> yeah. cat. <laughs> yeah. Like, guys, we, yeah. <laughs> we have set ourselves up for the for the worst written finale here. We gotta, we gotta. Screw it. Just put it, it, put it. 
It was a dream. Forget the polar bear. Forget the polar bear. Put a damn zoo on the island. Just put a damn zoo. <laughs> That's where it came from. <laughs> it was all. It was all uh, a dream. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I thought of a really cool idea. I, I never, never got to use it, but um, uh, I thought of a really neat idea for an ending to a campaign that kind of that begins sort of fizzle out. Like if if you know that you're not going to be able to finish a long kind of story arc, you know what you might be able to do is if you finish a particular adventure, and it's not quite the ending you were looking for, maybe skip, you know, like ten years, you know, and then ha and then you know have have them level up their characters. So now they're these these uh, uh, they're these old adventurers who used to who used to adventure together that are being called out of retirement for one last adventure to go on, and then you make this big epic final adventure for them to to do to to sort of wrap it up so you could you could kind of you know if, if you're if your campaign's really not going anywhere and, it, and it's just kind of blurring you know go that route and then yeah. and so you can still end up with that sort of big you know finale kind of thing yeah that sounds really good i like that a lot and i like to base things off of television shows you know and i i mm. feel like the reason i'm big on the trilogy <clears throat> is because it's such a natural story arc Mm -hmm. uh you know i i i love trilogies i love the you know the the beginning the the establishment of the characters the middle the where the you know the the evil side strikes again and then the <laughs> the grand finale type thing yeah. is is a wonderful archetype for a story and uh and maybe it's just all the star wars that i'm feeling i bet you that's it <laughs> i'm i'm excited for rogue one i'm running a jedi game uh not tomorrow but next friday i'm running a, a jedi game for my home group and i'm hoping to record that but Nice. My home group. So there are a couple chucklers right there. So maybe that. Maybe I won't. <laughs> There's actually a. Oh, go ahead, Barker. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I was just gonna say there's actually a, a good question in the chat that I think would be a good topic for us to talk about, and that is, um, and that you kind of touched on this a little bit, Alex. But is a big battle session the go-to way to an end that will satisfy the players, and like. I'm going to say no, not necessarily, because if you mm. think about it, like the final session, or at least the last half of a final session, should be the falling action. You know, you have yes. the rising action, the climax, and the falling action. Yeah. If you end a campaign on the climax, it's like, that's very unsatisfying. We don't get to see where the characters go after yeah. the campaign has ended or anything like that. And so <clears throat> in the case of something like the Provokers, we had the big, big battle in the penultimate session that was the big multiple armies fighting battle yeah. and then the final session was the much more personal battle where it was just the provokers and the main villain fighting out in the desert yeah. and then once that was over we what was the the epilogue was like an hour long and it was just <laughs> each character got a little scene yeah. uh showing them what are they up to where are they <clears> going <throat> um and you know not tying everything up in a neat little bow but just giving a sense of where are these characters going? Because I know for me, like I, I fall in love with the characters I play and I like to have an idea, like a head cannon of like, I wonder where they went and what they did after that campaign ended. <laughs> I, yeah. I love epilogues like that. I mean, I, in the, uh, uh, in the campaign I did, uh, with the, uh, where they started off at the carnival, um, uh, you know, after they, they, they went through their big, you know, final, uh, adventure, they came back to their their city and the carnival had returned because it had been over a year so this carnival had returned and now they they they're, they're kind of walking back into their city and they see a group of of four young four young men excited going off to see the carnival for the first time you know just kind of like they were when they first went into it you know so it was it was really kind of cool they got to see these people who they used to be sort of going in going into to this and and uh you know and it was just a neat flashback to the to the uh, to the first session, so uh, that was a lot of fun. And then That's and then really they each cool. got to, then they each got to talk about you know what you know what their characters were doing in, in you know years later that kind of thing you know ten years later you know that kind of yeah thing. I love that I think I don't know if any of the players or anybody in the audience picked this up, but it was really satisfying for me. The first line of the Provokers campaign was uh, this adventure, like so many countless others, begins in a tavern. And the mm -hmm. last line of the campaign was this adventure, like so many countless others, ends in a tavern a because they they nice. ended the campaign in the same tavern sitting yeah. around a table. And it was nice. really That's some advice. 
it was it was symbolic for me because they started at the campaign all sitting at separate tables in the tavern and they ended all sitting around the same table talking mm-hmm. about their adventures yeah. and it was it was oh man it was so good i loved it go full yeah. circle for sure i think that you know it really uh and this is <coughs> a huge benefit of being able to run games on uh google hangouts but also uh i i suggest you record your sessions on a voice recorder or phone or something like that and the reason is because you can go back and listen to the first session mm-hmm. and be like oh man I'm going to bring that back for the finale, you know, mm-hmm. use that as inspiration. Yeah. Um, but, but definitely I'm, I'm, I agree with both Matt and Alex that a final episode or final session, I call them episodes because I like to think of them mm-hmm. like TV shows. Um, but the last one, like the, the, the story doesn't end at the battle of Pelennor fields or the battle of the black gate. The story ends, you know, sailing across the sea into the gray havens. It ends, you know, when Sam gets back home, it doesn't even end, yeah. you know, arguably. So it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, you want that final session mm-hmm. after the climax to really kind of put the story to bed. Uh, and a yeah. lot of different ways you can do that depend on the character's interaction with the GM during the game. Ask your characters, what is it you want for, or ask your players, what is it you want for this character? Like, what do you, what do you, yeah. you know, what is it you want for this person? I want, I, you know, over the store, over the course of the game, your players should be slowly but surely moving towards some sort of goal. And mm-hmm. that right there is what needs to happen at the finale. And so the only thing I'll say is yeah. make a, well, the only thing I'll say at the end of all that crap I just said is <laughs> make a, grab a sheet of paper and write a things that need to happen list. There are things that need to happen in the winds of Sursaline before it ends. Things that need to happen in order for the ending to make sense. Something that needs to happen if the winds succeed, something that needs to happen in my mind is every leaf in the forest needs to fall. You know, that's just yeah. this image that I've conveyed. That's a gun that I've hung above the bar. I need to fire that. So write, make that list of things that need to happen and, and start, you know, trying to find a way to maneuver the game towards those things. Mm-hmm. I think it helps too if you if the players are good at like good metagaming. You know, in other words, if 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 they know the end is coming too, then they then they can help you out. You know, they if they if they if they if they can tell you're sort of pointing them in a certain direction, you know, they as players can say, yeah, our characters go there rather than you know obstinately just saying, nope, stay in here, not going. <laughs> Screw you. You know, mm-hmm. or or something like that. You know, they. I'm not saying they have to. You know, just go along with whatever plan you have, but but they can. They you know, if if they hear that the bad guy is setting up, you know, in this castle and and that he's doing something, they know they have to go there. You know, they it's it's not a yeah. big it's not a big secret. So, you know, it, it can help if the players are are into it as well, and, and you kind of have to you can set them up for that at the beginning you know you can kind of talk to them about it and say you know i'd like you know we're, we're doing this this you know x number of session story arc um so you know just you're 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 part of this story too so you know kind of help to you know you, you feel free to help kind of direct it yeah i'm actually gonna i'm gonna blow barker's mind here and i'm gonna make a sports analogy Whoa. oh mother of Genghis. so like a party a party of D players <laughs> is kind of like a basketball team where you can anticipate when somebody's gonna pass you the ball you can anticipate what do i need to do here right i, I can anticipate what the other players are gonna do where the ball is gonna be like you're saying alex the good metagaming where it's like yeah. i if you've played with people for multiple hundreds of hours by the time you're getting to the end of a campaign those people will naturally be yeah. intuitive and be in in tune with what you're trying to do as a DM and what the other players are trying to do. And so they'll sense the end coming too. And they'll sense, where do we need to be? What what do we need to do to close out this arc and close out this story yeah. in like a natural yeah. sort of organic way? And, and Matt, let me just really quick stop you and say, that was really impressive. Thank you. I was, I was over here <laughs> expecting Matt to be like, so imagine a basketball team and they knock down all the pins so they get the touchdown. <laughs> and and the goalie and the goalie gets in the way of the puck. And then yeah. all and then the whole crowd goes Yahtzee at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. I love curling. <laughs> curling is a blast to watch, by the way. That's that's a banter topic someday. I want to talk about curling. Um but uh 
we've taken some questions from the listeners already. Uh, so, so Stranger Things is being talked about. Uh, Stranger Things is a a really great way, I think, uh, to it's a great example of an ending, and I'm not going to spoil anything. But what it does is it alludes to a second season. Yeah. Like many other things before it. And that's another thing you can throw into the ending, just like maybe a that maybe the, the, the villain had a very mischievous sounding laugh and maybe mm. it ends hearing that laugh echo into eternity because he's not dead because uh, he's a yeah. litter. I don't know something. Nice. Curling does rock. Well, the other, the other thing, the, <laughs> the other thing uh, that, uh, that, that show kind of helps with, an, with a story arc too, is that, that there is a, there is a, there's a big goal and, and, and it can't end until that goal is complete. Again, I'm trying not to spoil it. So, <laughs> so you, yeah, so you no want you, you, you want to make sure you get to that goal. So uh, I already like, got yelled at in the chat for spoiling the end of Return of the King, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> oh, come I on. got a decade. I got a decade rule. Okay, that says if it's been a decade, I can say that the books have been out for I was gonna say, over I half know. a century. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's yielding no, the no, books. No. That's a, putting the books aside. I'm like, hey, if he's upset about that. I... We can't tell him what happens to Julius Caesar, okay? He's going to be real pissed when he finds out. Like, he's going to be wa he's watching the what? Titanic. He's watching Titanic like, turn, turn. <laughs> I can't believe they hit the iceberg. I did not see that coming. By the way, the, the we person should, We probably should be mocking our listeners. No, no, exactly. But I was saying, by the way, the person. No, not at all. I'm not, not, not even a little bit. But I actually, when you said that, I was like, oh, crap, maybe I shouldn't have. I don't know. But, uh. <laughs> but I think Lord of the Rings is a nice exception. Um, do you think uh, campaigns should end like movies, like TV shows, like songs, or like books? I think it depends. And I think that you can utilize techniques from all of those things. Um, you know, I think <laughs> I'm going to get a super English major here, but... All forms of art have patterns and they have things that you can do. You know, a song can leave you on an intake of breath just as a book can. You know, there's there's the, uh, I forget the quote, but it's like, leave your readers breathing in. Don't let them breathe out. Leave them on the intake of breath, you know? And I think that you can do that in a song, you can do it in a book, you can do it in a campaign um, where you utilize those techniques. So I think, you know, if you've seen a cool ending in a movie, uh, if you really like the way a certain book ends, um, then use that in your campaign. Use that as inspiration for how you want to end yes. it. One time I was I was living in a, a loft, a really expensive loft with a friend for a month, and I was writing a book, and I was having so much trouble writing this book, and the advice that I was given was to uh, imagine, picture uh, the the scene, picture an image, and write that image down. Don't write down words. Write down what you see inside your head. And uh, and I think the same goes for running a game. Uh, a lot of my prep time is just spent listening to music and thinking about my characters fighting in slow motion. Where where did uh, where did Alex go? Oh, he's back. Okay. He got upset that we spoiled Caesar, so he <laughs> left. I know. I said I made a joke and no one laughed. I said. He gets promoted to Major Caesar, which is not funny. <laughs> That's not funny because at all. it's his name isn't Bu Julius Bummer. It's not then a it real not a real joke, but an incredible simulation. An incredible simulation of a joke. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I'm looking through at questions. Just gonna maybe pick up a, a last couple, or we can uh, jump and create an ending of a campaign. You know, it's, it's weird without without audacity going. I'm having a hard time keeping track of how long we've been doing this. So, I don't know where oh, we are. Oh, I got it. Time. We got it. I think we're about 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we're 45 minutes into it. We started at seven, pretty much on the dot. So. Okay. Um, cool. <clears throat> oh, why don't we do one more question, maybe, and then, mm -hmm. cool, and then yeah. we'll do the idea because we, we yeah, have live questions it. now for a change. So that's kind of neat. We do. We do. Um, right now we're talking point. about um, when your characters die. Do you keep the character sheets or do you burn them? And I always, I always burn character sheets of characters what that die. Yeah, no. Fold them in I half. Fold I them put them in, in the, I put them yeah. in a fireplace, and oh. burn them. And he smokes no. a pipe. He's, I make he it. Turns, I make he a, turns toward the camera. Yeah. And then an, an episode of Murder She Wrote starts. No, I, 
I, I, I smoke a pipe and I sit by the I sit by the fire and I and I mumble to myself Gandalf style, riddles in the dark. <laughs> yeah, and he's not even smoking it; it's just billowing. He's just like, yeah, like, <laughs> like Matt. What are you doing? My character died. <laughs> My character died. I turned into McCoy there. My character died. Jim. Damn it, Jim. Yeah, no, I I, I, I I always keep my character sheets. I, I just I get attached to them. So, yeah, uh, one someone here said Viking burial, and I, the reason I actually want to touch on this subject is uh, there's a game that I have called Fate of the Norns, and um, this game is built mechanically around long running campaigns. If your character dies, you have basically uh, the rest of the characters have a funeral for the character, nice. and. Uh, uh, you go, they go around and they tell stories about your character's deeds and the more good stories you have, the better your next character becomes. And that is kind of a, a pretty strong mechanic for a game, but talk about a cool way to end a campaign. Mm. Uh, maybe, you know, people sitting around the fire talking about the good old days, 30 years later, talking about, you know, the old times and each character takes turns talking about the other characters, you know, accomplishments and stuff like that. I think that would be a cool kind of heartfelt session. I think that's the emotion yeah. I'd go for is heartfelt every time. See, and I don't want to, I don't want to get across the the notion that a character dies and I go bat and throw it into the fire. I make a, I make a big show of it. I sometimes <laughs> the ashes out of a cannon. Sometimes I'll sing. I'll be like, <laughs> sometimes I'll and, ask Alexa to sing happy birthday. Yeah, I'll like put it. it uh, I'll put it into the fire. I had a character in Pathfinder named Krith who who died, and it was a big. We made a big deal about it. We put his miniature on the mantle and left left offerings next to his miniature so he could take just, them with him into the afterlife. Just said like he had a lisp. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Krith. Krith. My name's Krith. That's funny. I had a, I had another half work character <laughs> named uh, Sarkum oh Silversmite that had a lisp. Silversmite. Thockum, his name was Thockum Silversmite, and he had a lisp like this. And the funniest part, this is a total tangent, but at one point in the campaign, someone mentioned his lisp. They were like, oh, Sarkum, I actually like your lisp. And I went, what I have a lisp? <laughs> what what lisp? are you talking about? <laughs> Why didn't anyone tell me? Well, oh, no one ever no. told me I had a lift. Oh, Son of a bitch. Oh, gosh. That was like we, your Mike Tyson-inspired character? <laughs> yeah, it was. That was my Mike Tyson-inspired character. He was a uh, he was a paladin of... Oh, man, I'm forgetting his name. Kor. I think it's Kor. It's the Greyhawk deity mm. of athleticism. So he was just a big, <laughs> buff, bro paladin that was, like, always working out. And like during downtime, he'd be like, "Can someone spot me?" And he'd be like lifting like heavy things above his head and stuff. And oh, he was so fun! I loved that character so much. We apologize Did to our listeners who may have uh, uh, speech impediments. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's not funny. No. Uh, now, did that character die? Or did that character see the end of the campaign? Uh, Falcom Silvus might. He lived. We never finished that campaign. It was a campaign that my buddy Chad was running. Um, so he's still alive out there in the in the D and D universe somewhere, lifting weights and uh, weights being awesome. Spotted. Yeah, getting spotted. Hey man, can you spot me here? You spot me here? Roll your spot check. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking at a lot of people are chatting and there's a lot of great discussion going on in the chat. Um, I'm looking for a question, but I'm not really finding any. Do you guys have one? Nope. Am I blind? Uh, let's see. I'm scrolling up here to look for questions. Yeah, I'll bet you find some if you scroll up. Let's see here. Um, ba, 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 ba. Uh... <laughs> A that, that was not that, that, that song was not playing in that movie no it wasn't brings me back to my alto boy days yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh yeah. yeah tuesday tuesday and wednesday back in a tuesday and wednesday back in 1978 <laughs> those were the days that's right so here's uh, I, I, here's a good question from ben b he oh, is okay. the no. most prolific roll up and die question asker i love He's, ben b he, He's he, our fake account that we used to ask questions whenever no one else me, does. He, ben, ben B made me some 
awesome miniatures back there on my shelf, by the way. Uh, he asks, how would you handle all of the PCs dying, like in a heroic tragedy? I ask because my assassin campaign might end soon, and their decisions have led to some dire situations. <laughs> mm. So how would you handle that? The, like a T ending the campaign with a TPK? I'd, I'd wow. inform the players as to what is happening, and I'd let them narrate the whole thing themselves. Mm. At least that final scene. Yeah, oh, that'd be that'd be a tough one. Um, I guess, I guess, uh, yeah, you you could maybe have them, um, play, you know, some of their people they left behind talking about them. I don't know. That 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 would be a tough one. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that'd be a buzzkill right there. Yeah, I uh. I ran a one-shot, or it wasn't one-shot, it was two sessions, uh, a, like a sword and sorcery game, and this only one of the players survived. Everyone else died. And I ended the session with them in the afterlife. They were standing, like, among the stars. They were standing in space, and uh, <laughs> the this ferryman came across the starways to carry them into the afterlife, and that's what I ended the the session with so i mean there's ways to, to do it when all yeah. the characters die yeah. yeah i uh that's that's one of the reasons i really like trilogies you know yeah. it's because mm. uh and one shots you know if a character dies it's not that big of a deal they can always it makes a little more sense to roll another character oh oh you died in a new hope we'll be uh you'll, you'll be lando calrissian in the second <laughs> session of the game like i mean it just it just makes a little more sense if you have a long-running game people kind of tend to get sold uh like kind of kind of attached to their characters and i think that a lot of yeah. people um, really go for a lot of gms really go for the exact amount of monster experience and stuff that you need um in that case when a trilogy kind of allows for character death to be a a, a meaningful um emotional plot story element to mm. it. yeah um Chris Wilhelm from Drop Dice left a good comment here. He says, I would make Chris sure that their, that their deaths have meaning, which I think is really good uh, mm. advice. You yeah. know, making sure that they don't just die in vain. Yeah. Depends on the game. I, I totally agree with that. But, like, I – and I know that Chris would agree with me on this. I want to play in a game that's like a uh, pitch black where you play one of the people <laughs> that are dying. And it's just oh, like – Oh, man, that would be awesome. Yeah. And you start with six people, and every when you die, you click the – leave the hangout button yeah and, and by done. the end by the end it's just a one-on-one -on -one session <clears throat> yeah right exactly. with the guy playing riddick <laughs> yeah, with the guy playing riddick and he's like hey let's make two more movies yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so um let's uh, let's do this final question and then we'll uh make an a, a campaign ending this final question is All from right. sean m he asks uh favorite ending to a previous campaign what's the favorite ending you've ever had in a campaign Uh, the easy answer for me would be Provokers, because that's the most recent, but I'm actually going to go with a different answer. I uh, ran a campaign in this extra planar city. It was sort of like, um, it was kind of similar to like Sigil uh, in a way, mm. because it was like a city that was out of out of time, out of space. It was like between things, and there were a bunch of like wayward souls that lived there. And the campaign ended with this really awesome betrayal from this uh, NPC that the characters had gotten super attached to. And mm. at the end, they realized that he had sort of been pulling the strings in the background so that this very particular situation happened. And it was one of these things where they, like, defeated the main bad guy, and they were like, all right, we did it. And then this NPC walks in, and he's like, good job, everybody. And they're like, Oh, and it just all sort of dawned on them immediately because I <laughs> I had put little breadcrumbs everywhere and like I had masterfully engineered this betrayal where it didn't feel like a gotcha, like it felt mm. like a it had it was a satisfying betrayal because there were yeah. hints of it here and there. Um and they had they ended up having to fight him. Like just immediately they were like, "Oh my god, like we love this guy. He's such an awesome NPC and now we have to kill him." Mm, and uh yeah. That was a really then the campaign ended shortly after that, but that was like the most satisfying like uh, stunt I've ever pulled off as a dungeon master. <laughs> I would say it's a toss-up from between the two that I mentioned tonight. The uh, but I'll go with the one that that involved the war because <clears throat> throughout the entire campaign, the 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 character the, the players and characters had, had grown to fear 
these these uh, 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 the the Taknor, who are the these uh, the invading army, uh, mainly because they were resi- completely resistant to magic, and they had like this sort of anti magic where they could just destroy magic, and and they had you know they, they were just terrifying in, in a lot of ways, and to to show up finally at the end at the siege of their city with the with the ability now to not not only resist them but to stop them and to be able to stand up to them in that in that final battle and 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 to have these arrogant people who had been just you know wiping the floor with them regularly to finally be able to stop them and so that that was that was pretty satisfying i like that and of course like i said just on a on a more metal level having all the uh a lot of the original players come back you know, to, to, to play in it as well was, was really rewarding to have this final, um, you know, this, again, this kind of grand finale. So yeah, it was, that was, that was probably my favorite. That's awesome. I, I would say mine is probably the provokers. Not probably. That's my favorite campaign ending. I haven't seen too many to be fair, <clears> but it was definitely a good one. Uh, the, uh, other than that one, it would be a game that I ended I, my favorite campaigns. Uh, my favorite games are run with me and two people. I really like two mm. people being the, the two players. This is a story about two people getting through an adventure. I, I really love that. It moves really quickly. It, it works well with trilogies. It works great with Star Wars. It just works excellent <laughs> with almost everything. And uh, we reached an end of the campaign when the, uh, um, the characters realized that the world that they were on was orbiting a post-apocalyptic kind of <laughs> magical tech, tech-like Earth type thing and they were able to get to the the plan and that was kind of like the who is season what's going to happen in season two which never showed up but but that ending was kind of cool because it felt like it felt like you could sit back and be like oh okay well that was worth it that was worth it like all right cool like i i feel like i feel like i in in a game that can't be beaten i feel like i've finished it i feel like i've beaten the game it, because I feel <laughs> satisfied with who I've role played up to this point, and I'm excited to try someone new. Mm. Now, was it a regular fantasy up until that point? Or yeah, it was. It was all fantasy up until the very end, when uh, one wow. character finds an iPad. Yeah, that's a, that's a serious M Night Shyamalan sort of twist there at the end. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, it turns out like this was an old world I was working on that was like created by these like 12 wizards upon the mm-hmm. doomsday event that was going to destroy the earth so they created a moon in the sky and it it was like out of magic and it created this fantasy world orbiting the planet i don't know it was it was sounded a lot better inside my head <laughs> as most ideas they, they always do yeah <laughs> but uh, i want to show you something matt you haven't you haven't seen it you've only heard it Look at that double D6. Barker, I have seen that because I was standing right next to you and you bought it. You have seen this. You have seen this. Yeah. You bought it in Tacoma on 6th Avenue at at an awesome game store there. When James was busy buying us X-Wing miniatures. Yeah, he bought me me an E-Wing, man. That was very nice of him. He got me a Thai, the big one with the five barrels. Thai Punisher. 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 (laughs) Yep. That thing's ridiculous. That thing is the semi, like the lifted pickup truck of TIE Fighters. It is. It's like, (laughs) yeah, it's it's the Monster King. Okay, so I'm going to be one, two, two. Matt, you're going to be three to four. Gothnog, you're five to six. Oh, sweet. Okay, it's a one. Uh, So we are going to create an ending of a campaign. Um, I'm going to say this campaign is going to end in uh, a in a way that's reminiscent of like a whodunit, like the end of Clue. I like the idea of it ending yes. kind of like a, uh, an ending of a mystery movie. So that would be, that'll be my little two cents, uh, unless we want to go around again, then I'll add to it. <clears throat> Oops. Uh, that is a two, so that will be Matt. Okay, so we're, the ending of like a whodunit. Yep. Um, well, or is it a whodunit kind of ending? Like is that? What, I don't know. Uh, and I meant like a, like an ending to a a mystery where you discover who the killer was, like a Scooby Doo oh, okay. ending type. Gotcha. Of I think I think that it should be possible for one of the player characters to unknowingly have been responsible for whatever mystery they're trying to solve. So having something worked out where, uh, it's 
possibly any of the PCs could have been who they've been looking for for the entire campaign. And I imagine that this would be a shorter campaign, maybe two or three sessions. For sure. We're going to go around again, I think. Okay, Alex. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking of this kind of like a, a kind of a Tyler Durden sort of way. So maybe this, maybe this guy, he, uh, um, he, uh, they, they find this, this, this sort of final clue at the end that's going to tell them who did it. Uh, but when he, when he, when he, when he opens it up, it has something in it that he knows is, it refers to him somehow. It's something unique to him that, that is, um, uh, that he can't, that he just can't deny. It's not like, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, he opens this, let's say it's a box and, and his eyes fall upon it. And, and he realizes in that moment that it's him. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like that a lot. Awesome. He realizes in that moment that all of this has been happening inside the heads of four different people sitting around a t kitchen table, rolling <laughs> dice and no, uh, no, that's that's awesome. And it's actually, it's funny doing making this idea you can steal. I feel like we're doing it the wrong way. You know, the, my first thing was I want it to end like a whodunit, but it's like the game should end the way the game should end. You know, you shouldn't make sit here and make the ending. So, you know, we might do this one more time for fun, but um, this might not be the best way to come up with an ending to mm. a game. Well, it, I think it, it's it really it's important to say, like, you can have an idea of where a campaign is going to end. But just be flexible, like just be malleable, because depending on which direction the players take, that ending may shift, it may skew, it may be completely different from what you had in mind. So as long as you aren't stubborn about it, it's fine to have an idea of where it's going to end. So I, I think this, I think I disagree with you, Barker, because I think every time we do this, something you can steal, we're doing that. We're showing people how to end the campaign in a way, because what we do is we're, we're given something that we have no idea. I have no idea what you're going to say. I have no idea what, what Matt's going to say. We don't script this out. So, you okay. know, I, I have to kind of pick this up. It's like, okay, how am I going to end this now? You know, so even though you're just ending the idea, you still sort of have to pick up what the, in this case, you know, you can kind of think of as, as two other players left you and say, like, oh crap, now what am I going to do with it? <laughs> you know, and you have to think yeah. on your feet fast as to how to, how to bring this kind of to a close and make it, make it kind of a, a, a unified whole, you know? Okay, cool. On a small well, scale. Let's, anyway. let's make another one then. Cause I, I, I would like to make another one uh, if that, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Six, that would be Gothnog. Go first. Okay. So uh, it's been, a, it's been a long campaign the uh, uh, the adventurers have been trying to track down um, uh, uh, the some someone who who murdered a king and uh, and stole this this object of power that uh, that 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 the king needs to rule and and all the time it's been gone the 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 nation has sort of been falling into chaos you know the land is the land has no king you know what what do we do and and so they're, they're desperately trying to trying to get this back and, and at the same time find this track down this killer and, and determine why he did what he did. Nice. What was that last bit again? Can you repeat that? <laughs> and try to determine uh, how, why he did what he did. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, that would be Matt. Um. I think that the PCs find out that the that it was carried out by someone very, very close to the king, potentially uh, a son or a daughter or maybe even a wife uh, was involved in it. And maybe it's even one of those classic like, oh, it was you type situations where the person that hired them to help is the one that was responsible. I like that. And I would even approach uh, a player beforehand and say, hey, listen, like, how would you feel about being the, the bad guy behind everything, you know, in this episode? And and nine times out of ten, one of the players will be like, yeah, they, yeah, let's do that. That sounds great. But uh, uh, even if not, I think I would have the game end during some sort of mass combat. And here's why. Because the battle will take a backseat to the story so you're mm. going to have all of these things that need to get done you know oh no we we, we uh 
you know, we have this traitor in our midst. We have to, you know, kill this NPC or whatever and find him. But there's a battle going on. So how do you do that? Uh, a really good example of this being done is uh, in the book, The Black Company. The first one ends with a huge battle, like uh, as big as the Battle of Minas Tirith type of battle. And um, a, a, but it really doesn't. There's not a lot given to you about the overall battle as a whole, but it's all about the individual people who are doing these tiny little missions during the battle. Uh, and that's, I would make that entire session happen during a battle and maybe not even have a single combat role whatsoever. Nice. <clears throat> I, I had a really weird sort of twist that you could do at an ending like that too. Uh, if I can, since yeah, just going to throw yeah. an extra tag on. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, 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 so, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. You're good. Okay, so they 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 get they get to the end and they find this guy and 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 the guy and maybe the guy has no idea what they're talking about and you know he has no object and and then maybe you have a flashback to the night the king died and maybe maybe he killed himself and 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 and, and as he died the the object like rolled under a table so it's been it's uh, been in his chambers the whole time it's just uh, a it was all complete it was all a strange misunderstanding. <laughs> You could go a big Lebowski with it. Right, like, right. Oh, like, you know, the girl is in on her own kidnapping. Right. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that rug really tied the room together. <laughs> that, that object really tied the kingdom together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, do do either uh, of you have anything to add before uh, we uh, call it quits? I mean, it's up to you, man. It's your channel. You can do whatever you want. No, I'm going to end it right now. I'm not even going to give you a chance to do it. You can be like, now it's a fistful of dice dance hour. Yeah, we're going to dance for an hour. <laughs> dance for me. No, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to say anything else. Dude. It's over. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Roll Up and Die, the live edition, episode 58. Uh, my name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. This has been Roll Up and Die, your definitive RPG pod. I can't remember what everything Barker says at the end. Something about don't steal stuff. It's It sucks, yeah. yeah. You can use this podcast if you'd like, but you should credit us. Something about you can find us at absolutetabletop.com. You can find us at at Critical Hit Publishing on Drive Through RPG. Absolute Tabletop. You got you have your sexy voice on for it though, Barker. Hey everybody. Roll up and die podcast. It's my Locrius voice. That's it. Hey man, yeah, it's Locrius hey, voice. All right. Hey, yeah. Come, All right. come a little come a little closer to roll up and die. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, stop the yeah. broadcast before Please God. this. Please God. All right, go to fruit. Go to fruitrollup.com and fruit download. Download your free fruit rollup. <laughs> this show has been produced by Rollup and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on DriveThruRPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form, as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming. <laughs>